relationships are often difficult to navigate in the beginning, and all the more fraught now that communication itself has changed in such dramatic ways, where in the past we hurt each other and learned how to be better by being around each other more, it's getting more and more easy to avoid the lessons of intimacy with others. I've been guilty of this for sure, and I feel like there's a lot that I don't have a chance to learn except when it's too late. So, as always, I called my favorite bullshit detector in chief to explore practical solutions to this and many more of life's problems. So let's give a warm Munmukti welcome to our very own Audrey Chaudhary. My dear friend, Audrea Chaudhary, who you will recognize as the contributor of such greats uh, as we've had the fortune of listening to in the past, right? As uh, The one episode we've done so far. (laughs) Such classics as the one that we've done already. Yeah, well, remind them what that one is called and, you know, and how do you feel about the response to that podcast? Ah, yes. It was two millennials go on a social media fast. And the reception, uh, from what I've heard, has been really great. Mm -hmm. Uh, People I've talked to who have heard it um, have been inspired to try the challenge themselves and rethink their social media consumption, the purpose for it. Um, Mm. They had a lot of the same reactions uh, that we had that we did, we talked about in terms of realizing just how dependent we were on it, how much we actually used in a day, and how mm-hmm. it may not be totally necessary. So it, mm. was, it was a lot of fun to do, a lot of fun to be mm. on, and um, the reception's been pretty good. What about you? What have you found from it? Well, I, I haven't really kept it up as much as I wanted to keep it up, mm-hmm. but I remember being really happy. And so that is, was a huge thing, just noticing that that whole month – stood out in its in kind of the kind of freedom I felt it's like now I have that as a an experiment that I can reference in my own mind when I mm-hmm. spend too much time on a, on on the phone or something I'm like well it was nice not to be on this for a while so um it, it's a big step in doing it again mm-hmm. you know so yeah I found people, myself oh go ahead no I mean people like like you said people reached out and said it was a really cool thing. And even now, I get messages from people who say, it starts out like, hey, you know, feel free not to respond if you're still on your fast. But I get that. Like, it's part of like yeah. their, their greeting to me, which is kind of interesting, you know? It's like, it's kind of like, feel free not to respond, but, you know, which is the best thing you can hear on an email. <laughs> is it? <laughs> or a text, yeah. Yeah. No, go on. What were you saying? But that, but that they respect that. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in terms of not keeping up with it, I definitely have not been keeping up with it as much since our experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been able to catch myself mid-scroll more, uh, which right. I think, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'll be like, wait, why Why am I looking at all this again? It doesn't really matter. Right. I've been without it before. And so I'll yeah. just kind of stop and go somewhere else. Um, so I think it's definitely made me more cognizant of my use, but the the rate hasn't dropped too much. But you're right about that. It's that mid-scroll, you know? Mm-hmm. Sometimes what happens to me is that I'll, 
I'll open Facebook to look at it, right? And it will take like five seconds to load, okay? I have a slow internet connection. It takes a long time. But in that five seconds, I'm like, do I really need to see this? Mm-hmm. And the number of times I close it while it's loading is actually, it's like most of the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, just having that moment of kind of like mid-load or like, mm-hmm. you know, buffering. It's like, do I need this? It's like this moment of mindfulness that you know, I always say, like, try to be mindful, not just in 10 minutes during the day, but also um, in the kind of interstitial moments of life, getting out of a car, getting into a car, you know, starting a phone call, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So, but great idea. I wish to do it again, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So today's topic uh, was basically me asking Audrey to help me think through some things about how uh, communication relationships and fledging relationships uh, ought, to, ought to go and how to avoid some of the common pitfalls that I think we all know. Uh, so I want to start by asking her the very kind of easy question of, of what is something that guys think they know about women but don't? Mm. And feel free to answer for the whole of the, you know, you know, half, half of the population, right? Right. right. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say is that major disclaimer here that I am only speaking from my perspective and my experiences. I am in no way, shape or form representing the experience of all women, mm-hmm. anyone who identifies as a woman, all brown <laughs> people. I am, this is purely from my own experience and yeah. my thoughts. So going to, well, going to start with that. Uh, that being said, it is an interesting question to think about, you know, what are what are things that guys think they know about girls, uh, but they always get wrong? Um, or what do girls think they know about guys, but they don't really know? It, it makes for a lot of good talk show fodder. Uh, but I think the more important question is, um, you know, I'd reframe it as thinking about it more generally. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some assumptions or rules that people make about each other in relationships, mm-hmm. any kind of relationship, formal or not, um, that aren't really true? And so something that comes to my mind is this idea of playing coy. Um, mm-hmm. It seems pretty outdated now. Um, and this can be on both sides. I think traditionally in the media or when it gets talked about, we hear more about women playing coy and guys having to be assertive or aggressive um, to make their move. And so that's this kind of little dance that even centuries on, we find ourselves playing. Um, The idea that, you know, we don't want to give ourselves away too quickly, too easily, to Mm -hmm. let ourselves be vulnerable too soon. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then, therefore, the other person has to, quote, win you over. Mm. Um. But that can lead to this dangerous territory that we found ourselves with the Me Too movement coming to light and all these stories being shared is Mm -hmm. that um, taken to the extreme version, having to win you over can lead to not paying attention to consent. So, um, you know, I, I think given all the press and spotlight on Me Too and all these stories coming out, uh, which is great, um, I think as a people as a society it seems like we have a better understanding that no really means no um but still you'll have situations like 
one that my friend and I found ourselves in when we went out of town, where um, she had she was on dating apps and she matched with someone um, a, a while back in a different city and it didn't work out and that's fine. But he happened to be in this town that we were visiting, so we thought, why not get in touch with a local and just hang mm-hmm. out, you know, have fun. And so she reached out to him, made it very clear that I'm with my cousin right now. Um, We are in no way looking to go any further than just hanging out. There's nothing happening between you and me. This is not a date. Very explicit. Mm. He comes in and uh, meets us up and we're having a great time. Seems friendly and all that. But then I learned later that whenever I went to the bathroom or left somewhere that he was physically... uh, coming onto my cousin, was trying to kiss her, was trying to touch her. And um, she very clearly backed away, said, no, that's not what's going on. Mm. Um, And this happened multiple times throughout the evening. Mm. So there, you know, his presumption probably was that, well, we matched on a dating app. The whole point of this is to have some kind of physical relationship or something to happen. So even though she's saying no... Mm-hmm. I'm going to run with the idea that this is from a dating app and she's just playing hard to get. Mm-hmm. And that can just lead to really unpleasant, even dangerous situations. So I think that idea of this kind of dance of playing coy and that mm-hmm. no doesn't always mean no is unfortunately still around um, mm-hmm. and still pretty outdated. Um, going back to the point of, you know, what guys get wrong about girls or vice versa um something that you'll hear along those lines is that you know women we don't actually want the guy to be aggressive we don't want him to always make the first move um but some women do just like Mm. um just like the other way around i think it's these ideas that have been bubbling up and forming and cementing in society that you know, the guy has to make the move, the guy has to be assertive, that kind of gets into our psyche now too. So we take Mm. that as the standard. So there are some people who don't like being assertive or having the other person make all the moves. And there are some people who do, that they do Mm. want the guy to make the first move. They do want that first kiss to be Mm. on his end. So basically what it all boils down to is there's really no one assumption that you can make on another group of people it really is just coming down to the root of being able to communicate more openly. Right. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. That's a lot of what I was hoping to get to. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I and think... I threw like a lot out there. <laughs> um, well, that's all the time we have folks. So, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, they're, they're or go ahead. Well, no, uh, you had more to say. Go on. Now, I was just going to ask, like, you know, kind of throwing it back at you, are there, that's one ruler assumption that I've noticed. Um, Are Mm. there any that you've noticed that either an assumption or rule that you've held or that someone else has held that you found actually isn't true? Um, Well, I think that yeah, I suppose this is this is this is the reason why I'm thinking about this question now. Mm-hmm. Is that when you're when you're really young, let's say you're close to twenty, um, 
there's not a lot of the, the relative kind of pitfalls of communication that occur between men and women and between couples of any kind, I suppose, are, are less expensive because of how much time you have and how much room you have to uh, keep growing. And, and the choices you've made so far in life and the ones you continue to make are less kind of uh, expensive and less forever. And so because of that, it was always hard for me to learn lessons from mistakes I made at the time in communication because I was always like, well, there's always another time or there's always uh, tomorrow, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I guess it's only come upon me now that I've started to think about what to do to optimize the way I treat people in these situations, you know, and the way I am treated also, you know? Um, so that's, that's what made me curious about how it's gone in the past for me and how to make it go right in the future and to kind of see my life with some kind of, uh, a sense-making apparatus, both the past and the present, you know? So I remember when I was in high school, there was, there were, I was, I was in the position of, of the guy who, who thinks a girl likes him a lot and whom she kind of feeds information that would suggest as much and doesn't ever contradict that message uh, openly. And so I would, I would do a lot of things for her and um, I would, you know, probably go out of my way and do things that uh, I wouldn't have normally done if we were just friends. And I think she would have known this if she would looked. Um, but she didn't, you know. And uh, I remember one time I told her, I was like, hey, uh, I like you, you know. I like you a lot. And her, I think she said something like, okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I mean, again, we were kids. So the the this the wisdom as to what to do in that situation, neither I had nor she, you know? Right. Um, and I made that kind of mistake in my own life so many times, you know? And I think you're right that we're wrong to, uh, we're wrong to kind of sequester mistakes of any kind to particularly men or to women. But um, when when I think about it, there are mistakes that I've noticed that I make a lot more than women I know and that women make a lot more than any guy I know. And I Mm -hmm. think that, I guess the point of noticing that is not to say that there's some difference between us that's irreconcilable, but rather to say, if you're a guy, you should be careful not to make this mistake because you're prone to it, most likely. Mm -hmm. And if you're a girl, you're likely to make this mistake um, if you're anything near the average. And so therefore, you should be aware of it. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you should wear a helmet if you're riding a bicycle, you know? You shouldn't wear it just walking around. But if you are on a bicycle, it'd be helpful to wear a helmet, that kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had this thought as, I, um, as I've recently been thinking about dating and making mistakes of, of, of specifically, I think, the generally male variety, which is to kind of not be clear as to what's going on in, in a relationship and to, uh, you know, take physical liberties or, um, or, you know, generally 
enjoy someone's company without making any promise of a sort of commitment or even, um, yeah, seriousness in the relationship, you know? And just because they don't ask for it explicitly does not mean they don't talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what I've realized is that that that's something that uh, will make you kind of a, a stronger character in someone's eyes rather than somehow weaker or more charming or more um, more mysterious, you know? I think if you're very clear about what you want in a relationship, uh, it prevents you from wasting their time. But it also, to the person that you really care about, it makes you a much stronger uh, man, you know, just to be clear as to what you want and that you do want them, you know? Exactly, man or woman. Like, I think clarity is sexy on both sides. (laughs) Open, clear communication is is a very attractive quality in for either either party (laughs) correct yeah that's exactly right and that's that's what i uh tell whenever women come to me uh for advice as to how to deal with men which they're doing at their own peril (laughs) but when they do i tell them generally um this is why they ask it's like they have a guy in their life who is really great and uh and i always ask them like if you don't like them, do they know, you know? And they say, some, they say some variation of, well, they should know, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, do they know? And then they do a lot of hemming and hawing. And I think that that gap is one that, um, that's a bicycle helmet of women, I think, is that a lot of men will, like me when I was in high school, overexert myself in a relationship and then find that um, there was like absolutely nothing from the other person's side, you know? Mm-hmm. And and you can tell this kind of guy because he's not out to try to, you know, have sex with you or initiate some kind of physical relationship. He's just being super kind to you and giving a lot of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens once in a while, you know? So, um, yeah, that that would be the, I think what I conceptualize as the opposite of the the guy problem. And maybe, um, you know, I mean, they are generally summarized in the way that you put it so eloquently, which is clarity is sexy, <laughs> you know? And um, so I think, gosh, I, you know, I think often about why it is that in that moment of starting to get to know someone, being super clear as to what you want is just it's like the last thing on your mind, you know? And... Um, I I read about this. There's authors like Esther Perel who talk about the psychology of the initial stages of relationships. And so much of what makes someone attractive is the balance between adventure and safety, you know? Yeah. And so if you think about a new relationship, it's like safety is knowing... We we conceptualize safety as knowing something about someone, let's say, right? But... um, we conceptualize adventure as not knowing something about them. Like, are they going to stay, right? But that's not necessarily the only way we have to conceptualize safety and adventure. We can conceptualize safety and adventure. We can conceptualize adventure so that it's like not will this person stay, but what will this person do, you know? It's like that's, I think, how couples stay alive. Even, you know, years and decades hence, it's like, Every day can become an adventure if you just 
let yourself keep being surprised by each other, you know? Right. And that, that perspective might liberate us from restricting adventure to, to the domain of, well, does he like me? Does he want to stay? Does she like me? Does she want to stay? Which I think is a kind of a, it's a, it's a, maybe a toxic uh, domain for adventure because it leads to the kind of unhealthy uh, secrecy of motivation and intention that um, leads to the, the kind of hurt feelings that we all have experienced, right? Yeah, I think that's a really great way to put it is uh, a lot of the things that we're talking about come down to redefining uh, parts of a relationship. So what do we consider safety and adventure? What do we mm-hmm. consider romance? You know, mm-hmm. um, one of the questions you'd asked me before was how can we ensure effective communication without sacrificing romance? And I think a lot of that has to do with redefining what romance is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a sense of mystery is is attractive, is exciting for a time, mm-hmm. but we have to be able to evolve what that kind of mystery or adventure looks like, what romance looks like. Is romance always knowing, you know, or not knowing where a person stands? Hmm. It becomes toxic. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think in those kinds of mystery that we think about, do they like me or not, that ends up being exciting for a time, but for a very limited time. After a while, it does get to the point where... Um, it takes a toll on your emotional and mental health. And that's where that communication needs to come up. Hmm. Um, going back to your example about, um, I, I would call it as the nice guy syndrome, where hmm. uh, I think it comes up as guys doing this, but I know there are plenty of examples of it happening with girls, hmm. where the guy is doing, um, going out of their way, as you said, um, doing all these things, to show, to make more of a presence in the girl's life in the hopes of the girl noticing that the guy uh, needs a bigger place in her life. Mm -hmm. And um, just what it sounds like, because this is, you know, from my perspective, which is why you asked me to talk about this, is that what I'm hearing or what, what the question that comes to my mind is, how is a girl supposed to, or the girl is being expected to assume mm. that she knows the guy's intentions, mm-hmm. that it is on her to realize that he is doing this for a certain purpose, different from what her intentions are. Right. So my response to that particular situation is that the Why guy hasn't he needs, made his intention clear. Exactly. That he needs to be clear about his intention when he gets to the point where he's feeling this quote-unquote transaction is not being reciprocated, mm-hmm. that it's not paying off, that's when mm-hmm. he needs to make his intentions clear. Yes, I hear that. But I, I think, to me, the corollary of that is, like, um, and yeah, everyone in this in these situations, let's say all four people, right, need to be better at communicating for this not to happen. But I feel... I feel that the burden of communication falls more on the person who's um, uh, not being hurt. You know, I feel like the, the person who's hurting the other person should feel a bit more of the burden, and it, it's it's one that that's that's the 
specific angle that I think guys who um, exploit women uh, without knowing it for physical uh, kind of intentions, that's the angle that that if they took, they would be better to those women, you know? So not kind of leading them on and, you know, and, and then on these dating apps and then whenever you meet them, they have sex with you and then they ghost you. And that kind of person exists because they don't appreciate the burden that um, that they'll hurt someone a lot more than they will be hurt at the end of, the, at the, at the end of that situation. Um, and so a girl on that app who this guy meets could just as well ask those same questions. But I feel that because she's the one that he's liable to hurt, um, then he needs to ask the question. And so likewise, when there's a guy who's being super nice to you and it's, it's all but obvious that he really cares about you and wouldn't be doing this to anyone else and isn't doing this to anyone else and all your friends are saying that this guy is, really likes you, then, um, then the woman should, should like ask you know, what exactly that he feels that, uh, you know, she feels about him and that if, if they don't feel the same way, then, uh, then she should try to kind of, uh, make that clear and then at least not take too much of his, uh, emotional and kind of intellectual investment because that's what he's going to do. So you're right. It would be precluded by either of the two parties talking about it but um i feel that the moral burden comes on the person who is doing the hurting you know i mean that's what i think you know and that's, yeah. that's how it makes sense of my past mm-hmm. what do you think yeah no i and i see where you're coming from about that mm. um i think i would still lean on the notion of both parties are responsible for making their intentions known um in terms of where the burden lies i would say it's equal but that being said to your point about the burden being on the one who is being hurt that's mm. also a matter of perception because mm. in this example that we're <laughs> that we're carrying through mm. how does the girl know that she is hurting the other person I agree that if signs are coming from multiple places, multiple mm-hmm. people are bringing this to her attention mm-hmm. that yes, she should address it. But knowing when you said it's all but obvious to whom mm-hmm. to me, it's the, I don't like calling it a burden, but the onus of uh, who should be making their intentions known aside from it being both parties is it should be the person who's doing something with a certain intent, right? Mm, so here, mm. the guy is doing these extra tasks, going the extra mile for a certain intent that he mm. himself knows. Mm. You, he cannot assume that it is obvious to the other person. I know. He, I suppose he shouldn't. But what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's not that that we owe each other any like whatever is intuitively uh, obvious to us. We owe each other a measure more than what's obvious to us, you know? So like I said, it's like there are problems that we're likely to run into that we can predict and therefore we can guard against by taking extra steps. So it's not like um, 
you know, whatever is obvious to me to do is what all I should do. It's that I should take special care to make sure that I'm not making a mistake that I might make in a situation based on who I am. And so, yes, there have been situations where, like, I've had different expectations of an interaction with a girl. And uh, I was like, well, I've heard nothing from her. So I guess it's okay, right? Which is what I'm saying about that is that it's wrong because I didn't take the extra step of making sure that uh, just because she hadn't said anything, that it's it's the right it's right for both of us, or it's the same for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the burden, uh, the onus falls on me in, this, in that situation to clarify my intentions. You know, like I said, and like you said, it's like it will prevent me from hurting someone that I don't want to hurt, one. And two, it'll make me that much more uh, uh, kind of kind and serious to the person I do want to be with, you know? The person I do want to be with will know that, um, that I don't say this lightly, you know? That I don't, I don't say nothing to people I... I, I uh, don't want to be with, and I don't say nothing to people I do want to be with. I say the truth to everyone I talk to. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so then, yeah, I mean, I, I, I appreciate though the idea that everyone should, should do this, but I guess I'm trying to speak for that high school version of myself who like, I, I remember like I rode my bike in, in the rain one day, like three miles to like give that girl something and to tell her that I liked her and it was so it was such a silly situation it was was like out of a Disney Channel original movie but it sticks out in my head as a situation where like like it was it it couldn't have been more obvious to her you know you know like Mm -hmm. there's nothing that you know I mean again it's like maybe it's not obvious to her you know maybe it's just like it's it's not and in that situation that's what I'm saying is the place for us to take that extra step of precaution to step outside of our intuitions and make it generally a practice that we don't um, overlook something that could happen, you know, Mm -hmm. that might be outside of our natural inclination to ask, you know? Yeah, no, and especially with that example, um, you know, in some ways it may seem super obvious and, in that case, at least, yeah, that girl should have known. Um, but She's in I high think, school, you know, so. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, right. And so, like. I don't, you, I don't think about it anymore. It's been a long time. <laughs> not at all. You're not, not bitter, not carrying it with you at all. Um, but, yeah, and, I mean, those can obviously be hurtful situations. So I would say that it's still the burden lies on both. Now, in that scenario, at least, like, you did make your feelings known. She didn't reciprocate Mm -hmm. them. That's unfortunate. Um, But you did make your feelings known, which is great. Um, And I think that's just how we have to keep it. Like on either party, when it comes to the point where it's taking um, an emotional toll on you, Mm -hmm. this state of uncertainty, that's when you, if not the other, like don't wait for the other person, basically. Um, then mm-hmm. you ask the question, if it's taking an emotional toll on you to know where things lie, ask about right. it. If right. it's 
an emotional toll because you're giving so much of yourself away, you're not feeling the same back, ask mm. about it, make it known. Mm. If you are receiving things you're not comfortable with, they're not sure the intentions, ask about it. Right. Yeah, that's that's actually a nice way to to tie it up, which is maybe the person that you're working really hard to kind of be kind to or be devoted to um, won't take won't take up their half of that agreement, which is to be clear about their intentions. Um, in that situation, yeah, do make it a, a priority to be clear about what you're doing and why you're doing it and protect yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and in a sense, protect them, you know, because they don't want to have to feel like they're hurting someone either, I suppose, you know. Right. So at the end of the day, it's like um, it's the best thing you can do for yourself and the other person to be completely clear about what you want and restrict the domain of mystery to things uh, that are kind of healthy to be mysterious about, you know, and not uh, just unnecessarily uh, destabilizing, you know? Right. Yeah, because, yeah, a certain amount of mystery is exciting and fun and attractive. So that's why I would say to, you know, let that mystery be until it becomes uncomfortable, Mm. until it takes an emotional toll. If there are, Hmm. you know... (laughs) the example you gave was in high school, right? And so it seems like silly or it it seems like, you know, both of you were too young to process what was happening or to take away those lessons. But that's why, hopefully, thankfully, we grow and we change since high school, since middle school. Yeah, speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Ideally, we learn from those experiences. And so then we can do what you were talking about earlier, which is if you understand yourself and are self-aware enough to realize that there are certain tendencies that you have that there Mm. are certain situations you end up finding yourself in and Mm. you can prevent those from happening do that learn from past experiences take those hard-earned lessons and put them to use right so if you like just taking you for an example if you found that these situations of you know, you're having one intent for the relationship and they're having another intent that keeps on happening, address mm. it earlier than you might normally mm. so that you are saving each other's time, each other's right. feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, the, the theme would probably be, you know, step outside of your nature on these things a little bit and mm-hmm. take, you know, take the precaution to protect yourself from the other person. Um, even if it doesn't really fit in the uh, realm of what would be classically considered courtship. I mean, everything we do nowadays is actually not classically courtship. You know, who used to mate on the phones, you know, and mm-hmm. who who ghosted? You couldn't ghost someone back in the day. I mean, they would just be in the well, next you hunt. could You could, like, not return their letter, right? Well, I think it, it might, I will almost argue, I will almost argue that it's harder, it, it's harder to ghost now than before. Because if, especially if you're like long lost mm, or, you know, like star crossed or you're, mm, you're across mm. a certain distance, mm. you can't like, you can unreturn that person's letters. Now, if they're in your same zip code, um, mm. then that might be harder to do. Mm. But um, I think nowadays you have more points of contact that you yes. could reach out to someone. But yes, it's more channels that you could also get blocked off of. So it may be yes. more hurt. Maybe ghosting is just more <laughs> hurtful now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, 
You're, you raise an interesting point, yes. It, it is a little bit harder now to completely disappear from someone's life. Um, but it's easy to, like, actually... It's easy to ignore them. It's kind of easy to ignore them. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, what I was talking about about the past was more like 70,000 years ago when we were hunting and gathering. Okay. Where, you know, you really couldn't escape that group because you would die, you know? Right. So you would be around the people you would have the choice to mate with. Um, and it'd probably be like two options or three options, you know, mm-hmm. and the hottest guy would get the hottest girl and so on. So you, you kind of got, you kind of got what you got, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there was no such thing as really ghosting in that sense. So we're not really, we're not really wired to deal with this as it is. And so it, it kind of behooves us, I think, to do things that aren't inherently obvious to us to do, right? To kind of, uh, protect ourselves from, the ramifications of this non-intuitive process, you know, mm-hmm. I guess like it's not in us to race cars. And so, right. Like we wear helmets, right. So just like that, if we're going to do something that's kind of different from what we were built to do, then we should take certain precautions to make sure we don't hurt each other. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with all these different channels of, you know, ways that you can ghost, opportunities to connect, you know, just all the opportunities and challenges that technology has provided. Um, it's really reshaped standards in a certain way. Because if we think about, when we think about courtship, that's putting a very fancy term on it, but what we would think of as courtship right now, and kind of what I was alluding to earlier, is that there's this sense of, playing it cool, being laid back, not seeming too eager, not giving yourself away, not being too vulnerable. And so this leads us into a very hazy sense of what is dating, what are relationships, mm-hmm. not wanting to risk labeling something too fast for fear of disrupting that mysteriousness. Mm-hmm. And so then it just leads into this kind of confusing haze of being yeah. of dating, um, which I think a lot of us have faced. So then mm. now rom- romance, um, I think Aziz Ansari put it really well in his book, um, Modern Romance, which was basically a study of dating relationships in the mm. modern era, which he did along with an actual sociologist. So Huge plug, huge recommend that if you haven't listened to that or read that by now, it is a must read because there's so many points where you just are nodding along and can really relate. Mm. But one point that he brings up is with this general haze of confusion or question marks that relationships have kind of come into or dating has come into now, Mm. romance now is, I mean, being specific and clarity is sexy. Like if a mm. guy, usually the date, uh, the date would set up, be set up as, Hey, do you want to hang out? Mm. What does that mean? What connotations does hanging out bring a dozen? It could be casual. Mm. It could be semi-casual, semi-casual, semi-formal. It could mm. be a date. It could mean mm. so many things, but it's mm. from a sense, from a place of, I don't want to give myself away. So the date is set up as a hangout. Then now are you in a relationship? When is a relationship? It's all very confusing. So one, uh, a kind of survey that uh, 
that Aziz Ansari and this sociologist did was when they talked to women about, you know, what was really attractive or what would be a turn on, they would say specificity, like, oh, the guy gave a time and place and date to meet up. I'm there, you know, because Mm. before it would just or what she's normally used to is getting a, hey, do you want to hang out sometime? And that leads Mm. to a dozen questions and confusions, whereas being specific was much sexier and much more um, would more lead to a date and attraction than that haziness comes off as. So I think that's just one one specific good example of how communication is just such a skill set nowadays with all these channels of communication and technology. Um, it's more important than ever to make intentions clear up front. Do you remember, uh, I haven't read that book. I want to read it now. Um, yes. Did he say yeah. anything about like what, uh, the, what women uh, do that men find sexy on these kind of apps or these situations? Oh, for, for personal reference? <laughs> well, I'm... T- well, yeah, I suppose, but just out of uh, curiosity, I suppose we can we can speculate and make educated guesses on it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I would definitely leave you to read it for yourself. But that was just one example that I really remember was specificity. Mm. To mm. you know, just even the what I meant by redefining standards is that they've become so low. Mm. This the bar has really been lowered on what would be found attractive. Um, Mm. you know, when, uh, you know, back maybe when standards were like, oh, you have to win a duel for me or, you know, all these grand gestures. No, Mm. where the state that we're at right now, the bars have been lowered to the degree that if you propose a time and place to meet, that alone gets you so many points. Like if you have a map and a watch, so that's what you need. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, not hang, not sometime, but you know, yeah. eight o'clock on Friday at this place. <laughs> yeah. Gold star, mm. you know? Yeah. I think, right. I think if I had to guess what men would find attractive in women on these situations, these kind of truncated social interactions is, um, I would think it would be like a sense of, uh, expressed optimism and enthusiasm you know mm-hmm. i think that i think a lot of when i speak to my friends it seems like a lot of uh when we have trouble engaging with women it's because yeah it's like you said the women don't seem interested in communicating you know so it's like when someone commits to a time and a place right that's what a guy can do to be sexy and what a girl can do to be sexy is actually be present in that time and place you know right right i mean like the the attention that men put into that, um, I think when they take it very seriously, they want the same attention back from uh, women, I think. Or what could happen is that they could both invest themselves halfway. So then the guy says, hey, let's hang. And a girl will say, okay, I guess. And they both show up. And then she's on her phone the whole time and he's not really happy to be there. He's looking through his phone too, you know. So that's probably kind of what modern romance is but we can do better and uh i thank you for helping me figure some of this out and Mm -hmm. uh on behalf of all men ever i thank you i suppose you know just like you spoke for (laughs) (laughs) all women 
Um, but really, um, anything that you want to say to close off? Um, I guess uh, I liked one question that you had posed that we didn't get to mm. before was, um, you know, if what I've wanted out of a relationship has changed as I've gotten older, um, which I'd love to mm. hear from you as well. But I think that's a really great question because I know in my case it has, and I think I could speak for most people when I would say that, yes, the definition of a meaningful relationship has changed. Mm. Um, first off, I was aiming to get married by 20 or 23 tops. <laughs> I thought... Really? Yeah. I, wow, I thought I like, Yeah, no, I thought, you know, that is just the way to go. Um, I, out of my friends, I was kind of the more, I guess, traditional or conservative one. And I was very romantic, quote unquote, in the sense of, you know, watching the movies, uh, especially Bollywood movies. Oh man, that has really mm. tripped up a generation. But getting stuck on those ideas of big gestures and romance and um, in the very showy sense and um, also coming from a place of feeling like I was a little bit of an oddball. I was, you know, I'd classify myself as like the Phoebe or a Luna Lovegood kind of being a little odd. And so the only parameter that I wanted out of a relationship was I really want to be with someone who loves me for me. Mm -hmm. That was the underlying criteria. Mm. But what I've realized as I've gotten older is yes, of course, I want someone who loves me for me for someone who I, I can be my honest, open self with. But that that doesn't always mean the same thing as loving that person back. I think what I've learned about uh, the kind of relationship that I would want, and this goes back to open communication, is that it has to be a two-way street. And that's something mm. that I took for granted before. I kind of assumed that it would be that if they love me, I'm going to love them the same way, mm. the same way. But that's not always the case. And so I think, again, that's where just communication really comes into play because I've had, there have been situations where we may not have been on the same page and it risks hurting that other person's feelings. It risks mm. wasting both of our times. And so um, the sooner that I've been able to bring up those concerns or worries, Mm. the better that it's been. Um, whether that means the relationship stays or goes, um, it's always been a, a much more freeing experience than just assuming that we both feel the same way. Wow, what a what a nice summary of everything we've been talking about today. Yeah. Honestly, that's, that's like exactly <laughs> what we're talking about, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, no, I mean, if I knew you at the time when I was younger... I would have been a lot happier, I think. <laughs> Assuming you knew that when you were young, right? Which is... Oh, but I, I did not. <laughs> right. That was the thing. Which it took a... a lot of really, it took a lot of heartache, took a lot of time and mm. investment, a lot. It was a hard learned lesson, but I think that was really important for me to understand that um, loving isn't assumed both ways and that you have to have both of them to be there. So you can love That's someone, true. they don't love you back. You yeah. can, someone may love you and you love them, but not in the same way. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. a lot more gray areas that I've come to find.
But what about you? Have how have you um how has your perception of relationships changed over the years? I think um kind of integrating with my like integrating with my discovery of meditation and mindfulness, which was I guess about two, three years ago, I've just started to be a lot more lately aware of what feeling I was having in any moment and what that gave me in the sense of relationship was an awareness of what I was feeling whenever when I was with someone you know um it became obvious to me when I was with someone whether I was happy or anxious or afraid or tired and uh once you find these you know, data points, and you get better at mapping more of them throughout the day, you can correlate kind of what mood generally a certain activity or certain job or a certain part of your day gives you, you know? So just like it might make you anxious to be late, let's say, let's say that this is something I noticed, for example, is that my drive some days to work is like an hour. So if I leave late, even by a minute or two, the entire hour is anxious, right? So if I instead suffer a little bit in the morning and wake up a bit earlier, then I can save myself an hour of anxiety, right? So this mm-hmm. kind of arithmetic is it's so intuitive once you start paying attention to your actual emotions and what kind of things make you happy and not happy. And so um, I would notice that in my relationships, I wasn't careful to avoid things that made me unhappy or anxious because I wasn't paying attention to those feelings. And so uh, now that I think about settling into, you know, my adulthood, I think like I need to be in a relationship and in situations where most of what I feel is uh, optimism, joy, humor, and uh, the kind of lightness of being that... uh, I, I like to occupy when I'm by myself, you know. I'm not a very serious person, and yet in relationships, I always find myself uh, kind of buried buried into serious situations and uh, the sort of drama of, of kind of um, dueling interests, you know. And I don't know that um, that's necessary. I think if you're careful, then... With good communication, you can actually make sure that the intentions aren't dueling as much as possible. And of course, it's not possible to never have dueling intentions, but you can you can chart a course that is less turbulent if you know what everyone's out out for, you know? Yeah, I love that. Charting the course. <laughs> yeah. Very, very true. Well, thank you, Adria. That's our time, I think. I know you got places to go, things to do, people to be... different people to be you're right right. (laughs) yeah no I'm glad we could have this conversation alright well next time next time